We are live for another edition of the Squared Circle Psycho Babble. My name is Michael Valenti. Joining me is Ralph Valenti. Ralph, a lot to talk about this week in professional wrestling from AEW and WWE. And we're going to talk about that as well as answer your questions in the Super Chat party. All you got to do, any dollar amount, any donation to help support this channel will help us do more content for you and maybe do this part uh, full-time one day. But anyway, we'll start off with the segment that I think everybody's talking about, Ralph. And that is one CM Punk and one Maxwell Jacob Friedman. The anticipation for this has been ever since CM Punk has come back to professional wrestling. We want to see MJF and CM Punk go back and forth with promos. We get it. And they absolutely delivered to the point where they actually, they actually trended on YouTube number two, which is a lot more impressive than trending on Twitter because Twitter doesn't quite really relegate to Twitter as a whole, it's more of what you actually interact with. But YouTube actually has an algorithm that determines what's trending among the entire website. So that's pretty impressive. Yeah, definitely impressive. I think that it had a lot to do with some really good timing when you consider that Dynamite obviously took place on a Wednesday. Um, The word had gotten out that these two had had a really good back and forth, almost epic moment. I think a lot of people would, would consider that, especially for AEW. The fact that you had the holiday the next day, people getting together, maybe some people who are wrestling fans getting together, talking about it, obviously going to search for that content, even for some of the people who didn't watch Dynamite on Wednesday for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Um, I know, you know, sometimes Wednesday, the night before Thanksgiving tends to be a big night for people to go out. Um, So people really trying to catch up on that. If they didn't DVR it, they probably went and searched it on YouTube Uh, and good, good for AEW because this is the type of stuff that they want to capitalize on. You want, uh, MJF, essentially one of the young up and comers to get the rub from CM Punk. Um, MJF held his own and CM Punk was also very good. Yeah. I mean, they went back and forth and the jabs that they were going at. Yes. There was a lot of WWE references in there. They re- referenced Cena. They referenced triple H. They referenced the Miz. So yeah. I, I did a poll on who won the promo war between CM Punk and MJF. And I believe the poll actually, cause I included the fans and members of WWE and just everybody, I believe the fans won that poll. So, Ralph, who won the promo war if, without the other choices? Was it CM Punk or was it MJF? Without the other choices? Ooh, uh, you're going to put me on the spot. I think that I really what. didn't come out of that thinking either of them had the leg up. I mean, MJF definitely made some uh, good points, and I felt like he probably did a majority of the talking. But when CM Punk had his comeback and rebuttals, mm-hmm. they certainly were on point, too. Yeah, they definitely were. And I think what was great about it was, yes, they they tied into Triple H's, you know, background without necessarily making digs at WWE that we've seen before with, you know, some of these AEW promos where they're kind of more at jabs at WWE. This one just gave context to to CM Punk. Why did he leave wrestling for seven years? Why is he was he never the main guy? And MJF just kept digging at him and digging at him, even throwing in his short stint in UFC. Yes, I mean, it was yeah. all good. And and th- that's good. I, in my opinion, I felt like they did it in a way where it was meant to more or less um, put, keep things in context, like you said, essentially elevate the situation between the two. Why uh, 
why MJF feels the way about CM Punk the way he does feel. So I think it helps set the table and really kind of uh, set the dynamic for this feud. So I know a lot of times in the past, certain wrestlers have brought up WWE and talked about uh, WWE in a, in, a, in a bad way. But I think this was done in a way where more or less, you know, it wasn't like they really trashed Triple H or they really trashed um, uh, Cena. It, it, and even, you know, to the extent where they didn't trash The Miz. I mean, he essentially said that, CM Punk's point was kind of like, you're not even at the Mrs. level. Right. Uh, so it wasn't like it was done in poor taste. It was just, they really went everywhere. MJF covered all the bases. And it wasn't like, you know, a lot of times people will talk about how they don't like when guys come up to the main roster in WWE, that they ignore everything they did at NXT. Well, I think it would be like disingenuous for them to go out there and for uh, MJF to just really talk about Punk's time specific to AEW because wrestling, um, you know, a lot of guys go back and forth between company to company and to just ignore the time that punk has had in WWE and elsewhere, I think would not do them any justice when they were going back and forth on each other. So I thought it was great on both from both sides. It, it really was. And I don't know. I mean, there were some great one lines in this thing. There were some really good lines in this, but I think CM punks, I don't know if it was his closing line or close to his closing line where the only way MJF is going to be the top guy in AEW is if he waits long enough for TK to have a daughter yeah. and he marries her. I mean, yep. yes, it was a jab at Triple H, but that could be it. That That's something that, you know, MJF would definitely take offense to, even though it is a slight jab at Triple H as well. It's a jab at Triple H, but it's the jab that everybody always talks about. And at the end of the day, I mean, you know, not to get into this whole conversation, but if you look at the things that Triple H has done and accomplished, I mean, he's obviously done a lot without just being married to Stephanie. Um, of course, being married to Stephanie, I'm sure, has opened maybe some doors that maybe wouldn't have been there for other people. But, you know, I digress. So for him to go out there and say that, especially considering the whole backstory with uh, the terms and the reasons why CM Punk left the WWE, we obviously know there was tension between him and Triple H having to work together and all that type of stuff. But you can go and listen to his his interview with Colt Cabana after he left the WWE, if you want to be, uh, you know, caught up with all that stuff. Right now there's a lot. I mean, this is just the beginning. They're not going to have this match next week on dynamite. When do you have this match? Do you have it at the last dynamite before they go to t TBS? Do you put it on the first episode on TBS? Do you wait for battle of the belts? Do you put it on uh rampage? Winter is coming. Do you wait all the way to revolution? Uh, waiting till revolution revolution's how many months out that's late February. So you're, you're looking at two, two and a half months out, almost that's actually two full time. months out. Yeah. That's a, that's a long time to really build a storyline and not to say that they can't do it, but I've talked about this in the past. I feel like, especially now with people's attention, attention span kind of shrinking. And I know everybody says, Oh, well, we want long-term storytelling. It's difficult. Like, how do you even la can, talking about this one epic promo battle between the both of them? Like, how do you capitalize on that? How do you go to the next level? You know, how, how, how do you kick it into the next gear? These two are great and I'm sure they can do it, but it's a tall task to follow. So um, I think that winter is coming is probably the likely of scenarios. Um, just because I don't, I don't know. You drag that out for two and a half months, two months. That's a long time. Yes, but you're talking about two of the best promos in the industry right now, if anybody's going to actually get it so that they can prolong it that long, I think these two can do it. 
They can, but I mean, they went, especially MJF, he went pretty much everywhere there is to go. He brought up UFC. He bought, he brought up the time that he had uh, in the WWE and how he was a, what did he call him? Like a, a, a small fish in a big pond or whatever. Big what, fish what, in a small pond. Yeah. So, I mean, where else does, would they be able to go that hasn't been touched upon? I, I guess there's certain things that they could talk about, but uh, the more that you, the, the further out that this is, the harder it is going to be to capitalize on. So not to say that they can't do it, but it would be difficult in my opinion. It will be difficult. And, but like, that's a money match to me, but you got all these like big shows that are coming up that they're going to have to put some big matches on there too. And I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up, my guess would be, my guess would be that first episode on TBS. That would be my guess. Yeah. And if it's not there, I know it's called Battle Battle of the Belts, but I'm sure there's going to be some non-title matches on there, and that could be one of them. Um, but I, we'll see. I mean, you could you could also you know prolong this by just having Punk go through the pinnacle, have one week against uh, Dax Hardwood, another one against Cash Wheeler, then you go against Spears. I mean, they did it kind of before with with MJF yeah. and storylines before, and it's not like the pinnacle are really a dominant faction as much as they should be, but that's one way to kind of prolong the story all the way yeah. to revolution. Especially because uh, FTR has really been kind of distan- distancing themselves from that group, I think. They're kind of doing their own thing with, you know, Andrade and Malachi Black and that whole dynamic. So, yeah, I guess they're still a faction, but it's not like they really have been taking the time to focus them solely as a group together. So, um, yeah, they could do that if they need to prolong it, and I'm sure they will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. I mean, we'll see how it goes. But, I mean, if you guys want to see it at Revolution, give us a like on this video right now. I see 29 likes on this video. I bet you we could bump that up right to close to, I would say, 50. That would be my guess. Close to 50 likes on this video right now if they want to see AEW Revolution feature CM Punk and MJF. But let's kick gears into a little bit. The other big story that happened throughout the week was Seth Rollins. On Monday Night oh, yeah. Raw this week, got attacked by a fan. He did. He he got attacked by a fan, and I I was watching this. He was you know in a segment where he beat up Finn Balor prior to their match. It, the match doesn't happen, and as Seth Rollins is walking out, he just gets speared by this fan. And you know, after a couple of minutes of them scruffling, the referees come out, security guards come out, and they kick the the fan out. It turns out we have some backstory as to why this happened. So the next day, this fan goes on, I believe, Instagram and claims that Vince McMahon and Goldberg booked him for the show to spear him and said he's not only that, but he's also he did it for Rikishi and The Rock. And he is also the cousin of Roman Roman Reigns. And then he was interviewed by the New York Post. And he's, you know, he talked about how he was duped by Seth Rollins on Instagram, uh, how he got scammed out of, I believe it was $3,000 in gift cards. So obviously this, this wasn't really Seth Rollins that did this. This was a, one of those catfish accounts, which I didn't even realize catfishing was still a thing, but yes, this guy, random person posed as Seth Rollins and duped this kid into $3,000 
And he believes that Seth Rollins was really the one that duped him. So that's why he jumped the barricade to protect Finn Balor and spear Seth Rollins. Uh, the next day on Bust Open Radio, though, you know, you have Bully Ray, Bubba Ray Dudley going on this huge monologue on how this is the heat that you want as a heel. Maybe not understanding the full context of the story. So, Ralph, yeah. now that you know the full context of the story, what are your thoughts? Well, um, listening to Bully Ray's initial comments, I thought it was really interesting. I thought it was really on point in terms of where uh, the industry is, because I think it's really trendy for heels to get cheered for nowadays. And especially somebody like Seth Rollins, uh, whether you're Seth Rollins or if you're MJF, if you are having a fan jump the barricade and essentially attack you, you know, it's not a good thing, but you know, it's, it's heat to bully Ray's point. Now, the mm-hmm. problem with this is um, that's, that's assuming that this happened spur of the moment, you know, he beat, he goes out there, he jumps Finn Balor and there's this back and forth and he draws so much heat that a fan gets so angry that they jump over the barricade. Unfortunately, well, I shouldn't say unfortunately, but um, that's not necessarily what ended up happening here. There's all this strange um, backstory about, you know, getting ripped off money and thinking he's actually dealing with Seth Raw. I, I don't know. It's just it's 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 a really strange, obscure story and unfortunate. Um, yeah, I I don't even know. I, I really don't know what to think of it. It's just they this is why they have blue checks on on most in, uh, social medias. No, that that would you be know, part who of you're it. talking to who you're right. dealing with. But. Right. But then again, even the accounts with blue checks, you know, could sometimes be hacked or sometimes be, yeah. you know, duped. And you have these weird things happen on like it's so easy to manipulate things to make it look like one thing and not the other, you know. So, yeah. I mean, you can have it so that you can fake an entire d- direct message conversation on Instagram and then post it on Twitter, and then everybody believes the Twitter conversation. Like it could happen, and it's it's crazy. I mean, hopefully. You know, it seems like Seth Rollins is okay, which is good. Hopefully this kid gets whatever help he needs. And I think at the end of the day, the real main question of this is, how bad is the Barclays Center security? Because this is the same building that also had a fan attack Bret Hart at a Hall of Fame induction ceremony. It is. So why can't these security guards tame these fans so that they don't attack WWE superstars or Hall of Famers. Well, they were so busy attending to Finn Balor that they actually, you know, they, they, they weren't in position to actually stop this fan from jumping a barricade. Well, I'm sure there was someone, I mean, not, I mean, the, the security guards that go tend to Finn Balor, those are actors, you know, they, they're right. not real security guards, as you know, but this, this is just, this is terrible. So the, the part of Bully Ray's comments that I think still uh, stand true and, and uh, you know, probably are most relevant at this point are just the fact that Seth did not react. Like, you know, Seth did yes. not try to go after the fan. Once the one security eventually got to him, they separated them. They had him pinned down. It wasn't like Seth went back and like punted that. I, I think, who was it? It was Wheeler, right? Cash Wheeler when yep. they were walking, walking out the fan and mm-hmm. he literally just like punched him in the face. Yeah. Like, five minutes afterwards it wasn't really five minutes but as they're exiting and everything was kind of calmed down i mean but you know did the fan deserve it sure i'm sure he did but 
um, to his point, he probably saved the company a, a quite a bit of money and a lot of headache there. So, yep. um, what did you think of Chavo's comments? I know that was a big part of this too, saying, you know, oh, well, the, remember when wrestlers were tougher than the, the fans? Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, at first, I mean, it's, it's just today's society, even if you're the toughest guy in the room, like, it's so hard to flex those muscles because people are just so sue happy that, yeah. like, you you think a fan would do this just to get a lawsuit because, oh, my God, record profits. I can make some of this money back. You know, I can make some of this money that they're making just by suing WWE if I get Seth Rollins to punch me in the face. Uh, but at the same time, we understand now the context of what happened, and this goes beyond that. But you also have to say, you know, Kudos to Seth Rollins for not doing anything, but just let the officials take care of him, kick him out. You know, Seth Rollins did say a few things to him. He was barking some stuff at him as he was leaving. But, you know, that's the best you you can do in these situations. If, If you get attacked, you basically have to let that person beat the shit out of you or else you reciprocate and you get a lawsuit. That's just how society is today. And it's it's sad that, like, even in self-defense, you could still get charged with aggravated assault if it gets that bad. Well, not only that, but, I mean, at the end of the day, it's not like they were literally in the in the ring face-to-face with another and, like, told, okay, let's, let's see who comes out of the ring. Like, this fan jumped the barricade, and he literally had a split second to, to try and process what the hell's going on. So... You know, it's crazy to think that mm-hmm. people are like, oh, well, you know, it, 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 it hurt Seth. It didn't hurt Seth at all. Like, give me a break. Yeah. You, I, you had some guy jump, uh, some guy jump a barricade unexpectedly charge at you and, and, and tackle you. Mind you, he's walking up the ramp. So he's on a decline. Stop. Just stop it. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say this buried Seth Rollins in any way, shape or form, but I mean, maybe, I mean, maybe they, somehow turn this into a storyline where Seth Rollins could be like, look, I survived the fan attacking me and then, you know, try to instigate more fans to do it. Obviously security had to do a better job at letting fans not do that, but who knows? He's a heel Try to get heat out of it somehow. But I mean, these are different days. I mean, Jim Cornette could probably tell you all the times that he was threatened and got attacked as, as a manager getting heat, but it's, it's just sad. It's a combination of, you know, the craziness that wrestling could be plus how, you know, if this is a mental health issue, how bad mental health can be for some people. And if you are one that has mental health issues, like there's nothing wrong with getting help, you know? So that's what I say about that, but let's try to somewhat turn this, this ship around and try to get back to the positive things and talk about the nature boy, Ric Flair. So, as we all know, Ric Flair has not been a part of WWE for a while. He asked for his release, got it. He's no longer part of them. And the rumor was that he was leaving WWE to go to AEW to be a manager for Andrade. That didn't happen after an episode of Dark Side of the Ring, the plane ride from hell, which basically basically accused him of committing some very heinous crimes to uh, a flight attendant. But it seems like he has not talked to Tony Khan, but he's also said that he's never working for WWE again 
as long as one Nick Khan is working for the company. Here's what he had to say about it. If you take me off the opening of the show and take the woo, which I own, thank God, because they'll never get it back, and replace me with the ultimate warrior, a guy that sued the company, held them up for money. I guess that's the next thing they're going to do with me is make a DVD uh, saying, having so many people saying how bad I was uh, that I did things, then brought them back, put me in the Hall of Fame. That ain't going to work for me. One and done. And very openly, I text Vince. No worries, but you know, you're not going to do, you're not going to bring me back. Uh, Not that they, by any means, but I could never work for Nick Khan in my entire life. Vince McMahon, I could work for. But Nick Khan, who's the guy that orchestrated taking me off the show? I've got my facts together, orchestrated taking the woo off? No, never in a million years. Big difference between Tony Khan and Tony Khan respects me. He has, as Vince does, Nick Khan has none. I'll talk to Vince now. I got no problems with Vince. He just knows I won't come back. And then he also talked about Tony Khan uh, saying that there are no discussions at AEW at all, uh, but he would work for Tony one day if they have that discussion. So, Ralph, what are your thoughts on this bit of information with Ric Flair? I mean, it's hard to say Nick Khan is behind this given the situation as to when this happened. They took the woo off as like a week after the Dark Side of the Ring episode happened. So I don't know if that's necessarily Nick Khan trying to take away his legacy, but this is interesting situation here. Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, you know, I know he's talking about his intellectual property and stuff like that. And you and I had a conversation about this. Yeah, you know, Ric Flair was a, a little, obviously before my time, but growing up, I definitely paid attention to him. I was right. younger, so... Um, you know, I know all of his epic promos. I watched him growing up, um, but I don't ever, I don't really ever re- remember him referring to himself like explicitly as the man. Yes, everybody knows the famous mm-hmm. lines to be the man. You got to beat the man. Um, and I think what we have here is a case of the WWE, whether it was Nick Khan, Vince McMahon, Trip, somebody trying to essentially copyright the 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 name. The man, because obviously Becky Lynch is referred to as the man. Uh, to me, Ric Flair was always the nature boy. Now, uh, somebody who's paid attention to wrestling uh, during that time period and maybe a little older than me, maybe could say speak a little differently to that because maybe he did really refer to himself as the man more frequently than I remember. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, again, this kind of goes back to wwe just with the bad pr like if it did if this did truly transpire the way that rick is saying it did him being on his his deathbed essentially and having wwe try to swoop in and steal uh well copyright the name the man you know that's not necessarily in good taste i would say um you know so i i i can't really speak to that because it's one guy's word against what actually happened and we don't know what actually happened right But also, if this is true, like Nick Khan is the one that orchestrated all this, you kind of have to think to yourself, too, is he the one that's orchestrating all these releases? Is he the is he he the man that's cutting all these guys after, you know, Swerve Scott and Hit Row get called up and then three weeks later are released? Or, you know, Keith Lee is repackaged as Bearcat. We see him for a couple weeks. He's looking strong. Then he gets released. Karrion Cross, they try so much with him. Then he gets released. Like some of these like questionable releases and, and like a guy like Bray Wyatt, who 
was a main eventer and a universal champion and Braun Strowman, a universal champion. He gets released. And it's like, these don't make sense. But this could be, pun intended, the wrath of Khan that's doing all this. And it's kind of given Vince McMahon a bad look. It's given WWE a bad look. And this just adds fuel to the fire. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is going to add fuel to the fire because whether it's true or whether it's not, I mean, obviously it's Ric Flair. He's saying it. And I, I'm sure that people are going to take his his words and everything with some validity. So um, especially when it, whenever it's something or somebody putting WWE in a, in, a, in a bad light or bad position, people tend to gravitate towards that because, you know, people are very vocal on social media about that type of stuff. So, yeah, whether it's true or whether it's not, word's going to get out. It'll spread like wildfire and people will talk about it. Um, so, yeah, definitely not a good look for WWE. Right. Now, part of his legacy... Ric Flair's is the fact that he is the 16 time world champion right now tied with John Cena. It's more likely that Cena will one day break that record if he comes back and has one title, one more title run. But there are people that are speculating that Ric Flair will come back, work with NWA and take the title off of Trevor Murdoch and get number 17 with NWA. Do you see that happening? No. Especially now because he's talking about his legacy being removed. His legacy will not be. Look, if if Rick is so confident that um, he has this great relationship with Vince McMahon, at the end of the day, Vince McMahon owns WWE and oversees everything that happens within it. Um, his legacy is what it is. There's no erasing his legacy. It, right. it, he, he is one of the all time greats. He's up there, you know, debated as maybe being the best wrestler of all time. And I yep. wouldn't question that if you asked me if he was the greatest of all time. Um, his his retirement, which, you know, obviously he came out of retirement, went to TNA. But his send off that they had was was essentially second to none. He's in the Hall of Fame, you know, what, twice now? One for being the yes. four horsemen, one as just being himself. And if Evolution ever gets in, he'll be the first yeah. three-time Hall of Famer. That is true. And they probably will get in. And he will be a part of that. Um Granted, right now, I know there are some things, whether it's a work or whether it's not, between him and uh, WWE and Charlotte. This is not, you know, it, it's not something that's outside of, you know, the realm of possibility. These things happen all the time in pro wrestling. Guys, uh, you know, business gets in the way, egos get in the way, what one person says versus what, what you know, the company says. Those things happen all the time. People mm -hmm. leave WWE, go back. It's happened there. It's happened in WCW. That's the way the business, unfortunately, works. So right. um, his legacy is is what it is. I don't think that WWE has the power to essentially erase that. And to your first question, no, I don't see him coming out of retirement to win the title. I don't know. Stranger things happen in the world of professional wrestling. So I wouldn't be surprised if it happens, especially with this whole thing going on about his legacy. He'll definitely want to try to be 17, and no one's going to you know, be able to break 17 unless Cena has, you know, of, what about Orton? Full, Orton's up there too. No? Orton, I mean, Orton, he's at 14, I believe. He could definitely do it if he keeps his momentum that he has right now. I mean, given his his condition and his work rate, I mean, he's not exactly a guy that does, you know, flips and dives and all the stupid stuff. So he yeah. could go another 10 years. I mean, if Jericho can wrestle in his 50s, I think Orton is probably going to work better than he does in his fifties. And no, this isn't an AEW versus WWE comparison. I'm just using him as an example, but um, yeah, it, it could be, I could see Orton win it three more times. 
And maybe Flair yeah. would like that better because Orton is a Flair, uh, you know, Orton is a Flair guy, whereas Cena, I mean, he wouldn't mind it, but I think he would prefer Orton, I think. And he said that, I believe, on record. Yeah, I, I don't think, um, I personally don't think anybody should break the record. Um, you know, if Cena did, I, I, I'd probably have mixed feelings about it, but you know, he, he obviously is a big star, but you know, Ric Flair is Ric Flair. He's, he's been a guy who's really been at the top of the game across a number of generations here. Right. Which happens first, which happens first then Flair's record being broken or Bruno San Martino's longest reign record broken. If Roman Reigns, if Roman Reigns could hold the title for, I think it's what five plus years, almost seven years. No, their fans would never. It'd be so hard for fans to be invested in something like that nowadays, especially considering True. WWE as big as they are, social media wise, as many shows as they have per week. Fans just would tune out at some point. True. I think you need like a very strong baby face, like, and even then that still wouldn't work. But talking about big baby faces, talking about. WWE and people on their way out, possibly Johnny Gargano, his contract Mm. was set to expire December 3rd, but this past Tuesday, he was announced to be a part of the war games match, which is happening on December 5th. Fightful select has reported that his contract is now extended through December 10th. Dave Meltzer has reported as a follow-up that, He is weighing his options, and he's looking at all options. So this isn't like Adam Cole, where he felt like he did it till that takeover, and then he was done on his way to AEW. He feels like there's still a chance that he might re-sign with WWE and NXT, and they are, of course, negotiating a new deal. So, Ralph, if you guys want to see Johnny Gargano in AEW, like this video, Share it all over social media. You know our our handle at SCPB Podcast. Where do you think he goes? AEW? Or does he stay with WWE slash NXT? Believe it or not, I think he's going to stay. And here's why. Because AEW certainly has signed quite a few guys. And um, the more people they sign, you know, number one, they can't sign everybody. Number two, the more people that they sign, the more likely it is for one of these young guys to go to AEW and actually wind up in the same position uh, as, as they would be in WWE. Now, yes, of course, uh, they probably have a little more creative freedom. They would probably be packaged better and used uh, certainly better. But I mean, there have been guys that have transitioned to the main roster that have found success. Most recently, I guess, if you want to say Austin Theory has had a somewhat successful run on the main roster, I think you can make that argument. Uh, Riddle certainly has. Uh, him and him and, and Orton are probably, you know, the most over tag team, I would imagine, in, in the WWE. Um, Johnny Gargano is in a really good position because we've already seen some guys go over to AEW, and if he actually puts WWE in a position where they want to have a bidding war where they're like, literally like, you know, just from a PR standpoint, we can't allow another person, another one of these, I'll say younger guys, even though he's not that young, but, but you know, he's, he hasn't been to the main roster to just essentially jump ship. Like at some point it's going to continue to look bad for us. So I think that Gargano will get offered a pretty legitimate contract. Um, I think that WWE is in a position where they're going to have to, essentially overpay for somebody like him and uh, overpay for a guy like Owens, probably. 
And I don't know mm. if overpay is the right way, but they're going to have to pay them significantly more now than they would have had to pay them probably going back like five years. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, you, you've got to figure in the reason why some of these releases are happening is they eventually have to re-sign guys. They, have, they eventually have to re-sign Roman Reigns. They eventually have to re-sign if they want to keep Kevin Owens, they got to re-sign him. Johnny Gargano, his contract's up. Braun Breaker and Von Wagner, eventually they're going to have to re-sign him. So that's why some of these releases are happening. You know, budget cuts, per se. You know, and I, I, like Johnny Gargano's a guy, you know, you, you, talk, you see him in interviews and documentaries on the WWE Network, and he ju- you could just tell, like, he's a diehard WWE fan. And this was his dream to be there. But that was also the case for Adam Cole, and he still left. Granted, part of the reason he left was because, one, his girlfriend's at AEW, and two, he has the Twitch channel that WWE would not allow him to do. To my knowledge, Johnny Gargano does not have that Twitch thing that Adam Cole has. So he doesn't have as much as the, oh, Tony Khan will let me do this. And I don't know how much he wants to work the independents, but you also could see him on NXT 2.0, even when things are definitely changed. Um, he's ha- he looks like he's having fun in NXT 2.0. Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, with him, especially with like his faction, the way and all that type of stuff. I mean, he was a guy that used to rely on his wrestling ability for people to be interested in him. You go back to his feud with Champa, like it was the matches that really stood out. I think he's certainly shown that he's capable of doing a lot, whether he's a heel, whether he's a face, he can be funny. He could be the the goofy heel. And at the end of the day, they just, they do need guys that can go out there and, and essentially steal the show if they have to. I know that's not something that WWE is geared towards. Like, you know, AEW wants to always put on the best show, um, but they got to start using and utilizing the talent that they have, whether that's, paying a guy like Ricochet to go out there and, and have good matches or keeping a guy like Johnny Gargano or to your point, you know, a Braun Breaker, like you have to start retaining some of your talent. You can't just let everybody leave or release everybody. And I think part of the releases is, 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 is for them to essentially, you know, uh, free up some cap room, if you will, to make a bigger play for guys like mm-hmm. a Kevin Owens or mm-hmm. a Johnny Gargano or a Braun Breaker or guys like that. Mm-hmm. No, I, I totally agree. It's just going to be interesting. What, I mean, Gargano, I believe, is in his mid-30s. I think he's 35. I have to look again, and I'm sure someone in the comment section will correct me on this if he's not. But maybe maybe right now his role is going to be like that player-coach role in NXT. Maybe he doesn't have the aspirations to go to the main roster anymore, but he sees a lot of these young guys, and he could teach them and take them under their wing and you know still be a mainstay in NXT while also teaching the future of WWE. And that could be part of his legacy as well. Talking about all legacies yeah. today. Yeah. And I, I see people commenting about the WWE and the releases and, you know, it's, it's hard to kind of argue this point. If pe- certain people don't have a background in like, like business or something like that. But I know people want to talk about the money that WWE makes and the revenue and the profit and all that type of stuff. And we've gone over that a million times on the show. But to just assume that they have this endless amount like of money that they're just going to throw around at every single talent just to keep them employed or under contract, 
it's just not how it works. Most businesses don't operate like that. They have a budget. They have to stick within their means, meaning whatever the percent is, whether it's 5% of the budget, 10% of the budget goes towards paying talent, whatever that may be. If they're going to make a play for guys like Kevin Owens or a guy like Johnny Gargano and know, especially now with the existence of AEW, that they're going to have to pay them more, they are going to have to let certain guys go in order to retain that talent. So that's, I know people don't like hearing that, but that is the way that business operates. Right. And if you guys haven't done so yet, Eric Bischoff made a comment on this on his 83 weeks podcast this week. And he's made this comment before when they've done these big stream of releases fiduciary responsibility. Look it up if you're not familiar with it, but basically they got to make as much money as they can for the, the shareholders. If their shareholders are seeing why are you paying this guy to sit in catering and Vince McMahon goes, the stakeholders are going to go next, get them out. And yes, I understand that's not with every release. There's been main eventers. There's been guys that have just been called up guys that were on TV and they're getting released. But, Fiduciary responsibility, but I don't know. But, um, you know, nobody, uh, somebody just commented. The problem with the releases is that nobody, uh, nobody that there's nobody that can beat Roman of the releases. Who is going to beat Roman? Were any no, of those people? No one be- was built up for it, but if they, the only one that I thought could have, if Roman. they build them up right was Keith Lee. Sure. But again, you go back to the argument, like, you know, are, are they trying to go with youth or, I don't know the, I, you even heard people talking about, oh, well, people are released because of their vaccination status. I, all these rumors just swirl around and, and who knows what's true and who knows what's not. Yeah, another person, Ralph, someone just uh, put in the comment section here, Walter, who is still signed with WWE yeah. and who is still, you know, he was touring uh, in the UK, having matches with Cesaro. And, and, and that, that's the thing too. Like you have, NXT is their feeder system. And essentially, right. like they, they get to decide who's going to get brought up, who they want to push, who they don't want to push. You know, ideally, if you look at it, okay, let's say you bring up Gargano, Braun Breaker, Walter, uh, Parker Bordeaux. You got to mention, uh, uh, you got to imagine he's going to be at some point somebody that they're going to push. They can't, they're not just going to pay every single person that they have in a contract. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and of course, someone brought up how Walter was buried at Survivor Series two years ago when he was the first man eliminated. OK, yeah. I mean, everybody remembers that. Yeah. I mean, glad you remembered that. But honestly, not everybody does. And when he gets if if that day comes, he comes to the main roster. I'll be excited. And I hope he's not one of those that gets released a day later. But I, I don't see it. The guy, I think, is a lot of money. And I think. You know, given his language barrier, actually talks a lot better than most guys that have English as their first language. And he's one of the best. Re- he to me, I think he's the best wrestler in the world. We could have that debate for another episode, but best wrestler in the world in my eyes right now in the ring, bell to bell, is Walter. But well, even even guys like like don't we forget because this pandemic has caused them to like separate um nxt uk essentially from nxt for a good period of time but True. a guy like tyler Bate, remember the great stuff he was the matches he was having mm-hmm. i mean that's a guy that still can get called up to the main roster now again calling guys up and utilizing them correctly seems to be the achilles heel of the wwe but it's not like the talent's not there they can right. still turn this thing around it's just a matter of them actually going out there and freaking doing it mm-hmm. totally agree but 
Speaking of Survivor Series, as someone brought up how Walter was buried at Survivor Series, we have Dave Meltzer's star ratings for Survivor Series. So let's do a little over-under, just like we did last week with Full Gear. We'll start with Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch, four and a quarter stars. To me, easily the match of the night. Was it their best match together? I say no. I probably would have gone four and a half with this. Uh, the finish probably prevents it from going five stars, but given all the, the drama, whether it's a shoot or a work, they delivered, making you still think, wait, is this a shoot or is it a work? That was great. And I love the, I mean, the finish was good. I could see why people might not like it. I'll go four and a half. I say it should have been gone over. I'm going to say it's actually properly rated. The highest I would have rated it was four and a half, but drastically underrated by comparison for the inflated ratings that we went over from what was that last week Mm -hmm. from uh, the most recent pay-per-view. Right. AEW. True. Right. I agree. Next match is the men's Survivor Series match. Uh, Four stars for this one. I'm a little surprised. I I hated this match. There was some good stuff in this. But as soon as Drew McIntyre and Lashley got double counted out, that deflated the crowd. Absolutely deflated them. And they didn't get right back into it until it was the finish with Seth Rollins and Jeff Hardy. They were not invested in this match for about a good five to ten minutes. This match could have gone easily ten minutes shorter and get everything you needed to get done. I don't like the double count out spot, but I think... They're setting up McIntyre versus Lashley rematch at WrestleMania. I think that's the reason they did it. That's the only reason it makes sense to me. Yeah, so what was the score on this four? Four stars. Yeah, I I didn't quite see it that way. I thought it was a little less than that. Um, I, I hated the double countout spot. I think the fans hated it. I think that took a lot of the fans out of it. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I didn't like this match. I really didn't. I didn't like many matches on this card, to be quite honest with you, though. Yeah, I mean, pun intended, this one laid a golden egg. It really did, but speaking of golden egg, speaking of The Rock, this Battle Royal, Dave Meltzer gave one and a quarter stars. I think he's being generous. He must have thought Kenny Omega was in this match because there's no way this got anything. This was a complete waste of time. The fans hated it. The fans had no investment in it. The, it seemed like the wrestlers didn't even have investment in it unless you had the Street Profits throwing around pizza. Yeah. This was ridiculous. All to all to have Omos win? Like, and I mean, granted, you gotta show you gotta have him like act like a big monster, but this, this is, is one so of those where it probably should have got the negative five stars. He he is he is uh, you were just talking about Walter and I saw some people say Walter is not an attraction. Walter works like a guy um that is a big man and he works the way a big man should work. Omos to me is just a big guy that's trying to play play pro wrestler still. I have not been I was impressed with his very first match. I still think he's very green. He reminds me of the uh you remember the giant Gonzalez, the match oh, yeah. at the end of the day? That's what I think of when I see him. Um, no, Omos is better than the giant Gonzalez. Okay, what does Omos do that's so great? He at least moves. Giant Gonzalez was like basically the 1993 version of the great Kali. At least Omos can actually move and actually act like a big man, where Kali and Giant Gonzalez were just robots in the ring and could not move to save their life. 
This is the thing I always said about Braun Strowman to you. If Braun Strowman had wrestled during the Attitude Era or eras before that, where there was, uh, 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 you know, big guys were a dime a dozen, he would essentially just blend in. He wouldn't mm-hmm. stand out. And to me, Omos falls into that same category. If he was wrestling in a time where there were, you know, big men were a dime a dozen, a Kevin Nash, Test, uh, I, I don't even know, how, whoever you want to throw into that category. Mm-hmm. To me, right now, he stands out because he's a big guy in an era where there are much smaller pro wrestlers. Now, can he learn and can he grow? Yes, he can. I just, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not, I haven't been that impressed with him. Um, but, you know, I have, what, going back to the original point, I wasn't impressed with this match. I thought it was, this is everything that I hate about WWE. It was more about pizza than it was about this match being meaningful in any way. Wait, you actually hate stuff WWE does? I thought we we're on WWE payroll. I thought we we're just WWE fanboys in disguise. Well, we call it like it is, whether it's AEW or <laughs> WWE. People tend to forget that quite a bit. But. Yeah, I know. But let's uh, head to the next match. RK Bro and the Usos got three and a half stars. I called it. RK Bro got the win here. I think this one was actually a decent call here with three and a half stars. I really don't see this more than four stars. And I don't think it was a terrible match. It was just in there. It was entertaining for what it was. But coming, following up with that battle royal, they did the best they could to try to get the fans back into it. Yeah, and at the end of the day, I mean, I, I still am a fan of the Usos, and I still like what they're doing with... Um, I always call them... On, I call them rated RK Bro. It's just RK Bro. But Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think that of the eventual... I think... I don't think Orton's going to turn on Riddle. I think Riddle should turn on Orton. Um, but this match itself mm. was okay. It was fine. Right. Well, we'll see how it goes. I mean, we have the identity crisis coming back again with, with uh, Matt Riddle as... Um, yeah. Randy Orton. Now he's dressing up like him with the fake mustache and goatee. We'll we'll see. But uh, women's Survivor Series match got two and a half stars. I honestly think this should have gone lower too. The fact that again we have another count out elimination with Sasha Banks, where she broke the count three times. They still were counting. I mean, we we talk about Rick Knox and his inability to count. This referee counts too much. And counts out Sasha Banks, and it's just poor execution on how this whole spot should have done. Um, but I, and then you have Bianca Belair win after being down four to one. I mean, wow. SmackDown needs a little bit more respect from that. Yes, it builds up Bianca, but there was a lot better talent in this match to to just have it be Sasha uh, Bianca winning four to one. Yeah, I, I don't have a problem with Bianca looking strong in this match because I think that she has a lot of potential. I think, you know, if Charlotte leaves at some point, she can mm-hmm. easily fill that role. Right. Um, but, you know, also they were trying to build up. You think at least you would hope they're trying to build up somebody like Shotzi. And I don't know. And not and, a good match. And was Shotzi on SmackDown this week? I don't think she was on last night. I did not watch SmackDown yet this week uh, from last night. I did watch. There was some decent stuff, but again, there was another battle royal that was very pretty much like like Survivor Series. But uh, Sami Zayn won, and he's now the number one contender for the Universal Championship, believe it or not. Okay. Well, So another former NXT guy actually getting uh, somewhat of a push here. So not all NXT guys get ruined by Vince McMahon. Hmm. 
That's interesting. But then again, we also learned that the suspension of Brock Lesnar was lifted, and that was the closing shot because Caleb Braxton was about to interview Sami Zayn after the win. Actually, it actually was a pretty decent finish. Jeff Hardy, um, who was it was in North Carolina, so Jeff Hardy eliminated, I believe it was Baron Corbin to win the match, or at least he thought he was. And they did this, the, oh, Sami Zayn got eliminated in the middle of the rope, hit, and then eliminated Jeff Hardy. So he got heat for it. And then uh, Caleb Braxton came out and said that Brock Lesnar is reinstated. That is just so, such typical WWE mindset. Like, yeah, let's pretend we're going to give the fans what they want in his hometown and then just, uh, nah, let's get some heat. At least, well, Jeff Hardy did win. He did get the pin in a tag team match earlier in the night with Drew McIntyre against Madcap Moss and Happy Corbin. So it wasn't an entirely ruined night for Jeff Hardy. At least he won a match. Yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> All right. Speaking of uh, the Universal Championship, that is part of the main event of Survivor Series. Roman Reigns and Big E, three and a half stars. I think this one is pretty, pretty spot on. You maybe could go four, but I I think this was a decent match and it told a decent story. But given the way Roman has been winning as Universal Champion, with the help of the Usos and all these shenanigans and whatnot, to have Biggie lose, and this is probably the cleanest win Roman's had as Universal Champion. Granted, there was still a little bit of outsideness. Um, I'm not a fan of Roman winning kind of clean in this one. Oh my God. Yeah. That's a good super chat. Sure. Um, I don't mind Roman winning clean. I think he has to win some matches clean. I, I, I do agree. I, I'm not so sure that this was the best match for him to do it in. Yeah. But we'll see. Who do you think uh, ends up being the guy that dethrones? Ro- like, it seems like obviously if Sami Zayn's going to have a match, they'll do that on a SmackDown. Brock Lesnar will be a challenger at say, I think Royal Rumble. And then you have that match at day one. Maybe it's Jeff Hardy. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's Brock Lesnar. Or do they save Brock Lesnar to win the Royal Rumble and challenge Roman at WrestleMania? Or because it's two nights, do they do what Wrestle Kingdom and New Japan does where Roman wrestles both nights? You know, he challenges Brock one night, wins, and challenges Drew the second night, or vice versa. The, the the problem is going to be this. If The Rock comes back, if Brock decides to stay for a little longer, however long that may be, those are legitimate contenders that you think can probably beat Roman, but probably shouldn't beat Roman because of the, the length of his title reign. Uh, if, if anybody's going to beat Roman, I would like to see it be somebody who is up and coming. It's going to mean something for them. It's going to catapult them to that next level. Um, the only person right now that I could potentially see that being is Drew McIntyre. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have history there. I mean, I think that he sh- probably, if he, if he's going to wrestle Brock, he should beat Brock again. If he's going to wrestle the rock, he's got to beat the rock again, in my opinion. Um, and if he's going to drop the title, it's got to be somebody young and up and coming, which I, I don't even know who that would be at this point, or maybe Drew McIntyre. Yeah, I, I think I think it's probably going to be I think it's probably going to be Drew McIntyre, but 
That's going to do it for another episode of the Squared Circle Psycho Babble. Make sure you support us all over social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at SCP Podcast. And if you're listening on iTunes, make sure you give us a five-star review, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Squared Circle Psycho Babble.